Renee is going to come, and she's going to read our primary passage for us this morning, and it is from Psalm 133. Good morning. Psalm 133. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Thank you, Renee. Good morning. It's good to see you. It's Pastor Aaron's birthday today. And he called me the day that my wife and I were packing up, getting ready to go on a massive road trip. Her parents celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary, so we drove to Rapid City, South Dakota. A lot of things to get together, including the bees. Uh, my son lives in San Francisco. He worked for Pinterest for a while and has another startup he's with now. Uh, he called me on Mother's Day. He said, Dad, I want to get Mom a beehive for Mother's Day. I said, wow, wow. She was thinking a vegetable chopper. Uh, I'm not sure she was thinking of beehive. I said, but let's go, go ahead and get her the vegetable chopper, but let's think about the beehive because he said, Dad, I want the beehive so I have more reason to come home to see you. And I think, this is good. So this summer he's going to come three different times to see me and see the bees. So uh, I needed to clean up the hive before the trip. Uh, and so I said, Aaron, he called me and said, I, I want to do this video to promote that you're coming to Sound City. And I said, well, I'm going to be cleaning out my beehive. And so why don't you just come? I'll put you in a bee suit. And we'll talk about how the beehive is unity. And it'll all work really good. and will go together with a the theme. So he came. And I've got two seat bee suits. There's the industrial bee suit. And then there's the bee suit light. Uh, and I, I gave him the light. Because his job was simple. I said, all you need to do is stand there with the iPhone, take some pictures. And you can just run the smoker. It's pretty simple. I'll do the heavy-duty work pulling out the panels, working with stuff. Any beekeepers out there? You know what I'm talking about? First service actually had beekeepers, like three of them. That's pretty amazing because first service is a beekeeper's service. <laughs> yeah. So um, Aaron came out, and uh, uh, the, the bee suit light doesn't have gloves, so I got some garden gloves. They were red. Bees can't see red. I think that's great. So that means the bees won't come for them. What I missed the stains on those gloves, I realized later, were bee guts. Sorry, I just being graphic there for those of you who are bee lovers. Uh, bees are really sensitive. Uh, they have an incredible sensitive sense of smell. And about 300 times what you and I can detect. And they communicate, we communicate with words. Bees communicate with aromas, uh, pheromones, and uh, there are distress aromas that they release, and that's why they'll swarm and attack and sting. It's because of the aromas that they're releasing. Well, when a bee is killed and bee guts, they're going to leave behind that odor of distress. So Aaron's out there doing the smoker thing. And go, I hear this, oh, and then I hear this, oh, and he got stung twice. Now, can I say, he is a real man. He never cried. He never ran. He never flinched. He just continued to do his job. I'm so proud of him. But I got them new gloves. Now, um, the, the beehive, everything is about unity. And it's all focused around one bee, the queen bee. And every one of those 60,000 bees in the hive 
are buzzing and saying one thing. Where's the queen? How's the queen? What's happening to the queen today? You know, how's the queen? Queen, 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 queen. That's all they think about. In fact, there's a whole line of bees on busy days when they might get disoriented. Uh, they just sit at the entry of the hive, fanning their wings with their backsides facing the other way. And they are releasing pheromones that are saying, the queen's here, the queen's here, everything's good, the queen's here. There's this incredible traction of unity. You open up a hive and just the swarm, the and energy and the intensity. Church is like that. Full of sweetness and goodness, but you could get stung. Uh, we are f- focused in this unity around Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit. We all have our jobs and roles that take place, but if you bring gloves that have the wrong aroma on into church life from maybe some past experience, you could get stung. Not knowing how to build healthy relationships. Uh, We bring into every community experience the skills that we use to the good or the bad where we were last, whether it's family, marriage, business, and church. How are your bee gloves? Is it time for some new ones? We're going to look at Psalm 133. Uh, And this is a series that I've been doing at our church, Evergreen Church. One of our passions is great worship. Um, I'm passionate about this because worship attracts the presence of God. It changes not just a church, but it changes a community. When you and I as a church come together, we're doing one of two things. We are declaring war. Uh, So when you and I come together to worship, there is a militancy Because everything from Genesis is right through to Revelation is about taking ground for God. Uh, We are to subdue and conquer the earth. Joshua, every place where your foot will tread. Jesus says, your kingdom come, king of kings, Lord of hosts. The Bible is just riddled with this language of conquering and taking and occupying. Some of you might be wondering, why is our church meeting at a school? Well, first of all, I'm really jealous. I I walked into your building and thought, wow, this is a rich church. They must have like a $100 million building fund to be able to afford a facility like this. I die for the foyer that your church has. But you might think, oh, why why are we here? Why why don't we have our own building? Because we get real building focused in church life. Remember the church survived for 300 years without church building. Became the dominating force of the Roman Empire. Uh, today in contemporary church life. This is happening right around the world. Cities are growing. Real estate prices are going up. And so churches are occupying creative spaces. Why does this matter? Because Jesus wants us to occupy till he comes. And worship is how we do it. Worship is declaring war. It's also inviting to a wedding. Uh, We are heading toward the wedding supper of the Lamb. (laughs) And every time we come together, we're sending out marriage invitations. And that's why it drives me nuts in contemporary church life. To walk into crowded buildings filled with uh, hot bands. I got invited to join the staff of one of the leading churches in America. If I told you the name of it, you'd you'd know it immediately. And the reason why we just turned it down, my wife and I, hands down, without question, is that we just found a building full of people offering drink offerings to the Lord. You say, what what do you mean by that? Is You come in with the the latte, you just look at the band. Yeah, hot band. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, a little too much treble. Yeah, pull up that bass a little. 
Pull out your iPhone, check the decibels. And we're just becoming spectators in church life. You and I are inviting to a wedding. We are declaring war. We are occupying. Uh, we are not a spectator organization. We are fully participants. You and I have been called to sing, to worship. This series that I've been doing at our church is called Playlist. It's based on the book of Psalms because you and I need a playlist to get through life. I've encouraged our people this summer, create a playlist, whether it's low-tech, you know, cassettes or high-tech, and like most of us use iPhones or whatever your, your platform is. There's something about a playlist that can pull you through a season. Every year or a couple of years, I wipe a playlist and I start a new playlist to get me through that season with the songs that God places in my spirit. And our, our church has been worshiping through the book of Psalms in the midst of this we got this phone call at one of my friends at Gateway Church in Dallas. And, uh, you know, that's you know, Carrie Job comes from and all the rest. An incredible anointing of worship there. And Aaron said, uh, I would like to bring the worship team out to Evergreen Church. I said, really? And he said, yeah, I'll bring our, our top worship team from Gateway. Carrie doesn't come. We don't get Carrie. But on August the 13th, um, they're going to lead worship for us on Sunday, but Sunday night we're opening up to the wider church community. And you're most welcome to come August 13th, 7 p.m. at Evergreen Church. Because my passion is that we become a worshiping church. Not just Evergreen, but the wider church of Seattle. Do you realize that 96% of our community does not go to church? Only 4% do. That you and I live in the fastest growing city in the United States. Our demographics are shifting hugely. This is a time more than ever for the church to be fully engaged, fully alert, fully alive with the work of the gospel. So I want to talk today about coming together because we live in a world that's coming apart. Everything is pushing us to line up with, are you red or blue? You know what I mean. And the whole purpose of the news is to get you anxious and over-opinionated and divisive and agitated. We live in a city that's incredibly busy as, as our city has been growing for the last seven years, fastest population boom since the 1890s. Uh, commute times are hugely increasing. Uh, we spend a lot more time on 405 and I-5 and everywhere else. Um, we are isolated from each other, disconnected. Um, we don't know each other in our communities. We're irritated over little things. Um, during the last election, it seemed like people were just constantly offending one another. Um, and judgmental, so critical. In the midst of this, uh, you and I just can just zone out. Netflix is the escape that lots of us choose. Next, Netflix is essentially the kryptonite to community. Uh, you get on there, there's some binge watching, and my kids told me recently, if you watch too much of a particular series, you know, Downer Abbey or whatever it's called, um, you know, I've wondered how that show kept going. So many people died. I wondered if they still had a cast that was left to, to, to bring anything through. But people can binge watch, and I've done the same on Netflix, and then this little message will come up saying essentially you're watching too much TV going... Talk to people. <laughs> you guys need community. I spoke to one of your church members here just before the service, and he said, I just, I, 
I've missed my community group for the last two weeks. And he said, I'm feeling it. There was a sense of ache that he felt. We really need each other. Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is. I first memorized this psalm. Yeah, I memorized it. Because there was a lady in the church I led at that point. I was, at that point, 24 years old, just coming out of acne. Uh, had no idea. My background, by the way, I, I was going to be a lawyer. I have a degree in political science. I was on my way to law school when God called me to ministry. It was a big shock to me, my family, everybody. And I, I ended up leading this church, and I just did everything wrong because my heart was always to reach the community. And this lady, she just thought, she and her husband, they, they were just so opinionated and so invasive into my life. They invited Leslie, my wife, and I over for dinner. We're a young couple, about three years married. They were convinced there was something seriously wrong in our marriage, so they worked to get us into separate rooms and gave us this really confrontational, unwelcomed marriage counseling. We've been married 35 years, doing great without the marriage counsel. Anyways, so uh, I, I, this lady drove me nuts. She thought that my job was to run around in my car and visit everybody in the church. It was a different mindset of what church should be. And I, I again, because my background when I came into ministry was coming out of a different paradigm, I, I read some different authors that encouraged me that I'd set aside my mornings for prayer and meditation and preparation of the Word. So I, I don't go into the church building until after 11 o'clock, done that for a long, long time. And I pray, meditate, prepare the word for that coming weekend. And I get a sense of where God's going with my ministry and the life of the church. And then I step out into the public arena. Uh, she called my wife one morning, eight o'clock in the morning, ring, ring, phone goes. And she says, tell your husband when he gets out of that hole he's in, that there are people in this church who need him to visit. drove me nuts. And in that time, I memorized Psalm 133 just to get through Sunday morning, having to look at her and see her every Sunday. There's some people in church life who just drive you nuts. I encourage you in your spiritual journey, memorize one of the 150 Psalms and make it your own. Go to it often. Memorize it so that you can recite it and repeat it. How good and pleasant it is. I would think this often. I would just pray it over her. How good and pleasant it is. When brothers, sisters dwell together in unity, it is like precious oil poured upon the beard, upon, upon the head, upon the beard, flowing down upon Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling upon Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows blessing, even life forevermore. And some of you are thinking, what is that all about? Uh, Mount Zion, who's Hermon? How many of you want to know who is who's Herman, and this oil uh, is like, what is this, Crisco? Uh, what, 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 what's this all about? Well, uh, is, is there a fat-free version? I'm, you know, what, what is Psalm 133? Here's my goal. By the end of this talk, you'll understand not only what this psalm means generally, but specifically to you. But let's just think about how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together. This is a song. It is meant to be sung. And this is a song about not just God, but it's actually about our relationship as believers. This is almost like an old anxiety of the book of Psalms. Enjoying each other in community. When we worship together, we need to listen to each other. When I was a young pastor, I got a note on the card from a lady who was battling cancer. She eventually went to see Jesus. 
And she came to service nauseated with a wig on and all the trauma that goes with chemo. And she wrote on her card, it's pretty simple, she said, thank the people for singing because her songs are getting me through the chemotherapy. And she explained that the voices of the people just lifted her up. Listen while you worship as well as sing while you worship. Engage while you worship. We encourage one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. If you want your life to come together, then worship together. Learn how to sing together as a community. Defy the trends. Actually sing. Participate. Engage. Sing in your car. Sing with your family. I come from a a family of pastors. That's why being a pastor was kind of the last thing on my mind. And my dad, he's now 93, uh, just loves the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. He'll sing that at the drop of a hat. I remember in a really traumatic time in our family, we were at Pizza Hut in a small town in the middle of Kansas having dinner. And uh, my father had the entire family sing Praise God from whom all blessings flow at Pizza Hut, all 20 family members. They were so surprised. Why would you do that? Because it was a tough season of life for our family. And remember my dad at the end of that said, Lord, we sing this today. Because no matter how bad life is, you are always good. Worship gets us through. We need to worship together for life to come together. So let's pull this psalm apart. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. First look at the word good. Good here, the Hebrew word is the same word that's used in the book of Genesis For when God kicks back at the end of the day and says, it's good. You know, the flowers are blooming and the sun is rising and the birds are singing and the fish are swimming and everything's doing what it's supposed to be doing. The seeds are growing and it's happening. It's good. It's working according to God's plan. And the church, this unity that we're singing about in the psalm, is life as it should be. When the church comes together as the church, just like this teaching series that your pastors will be bringing on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you really grasp this and we become the church and stop just attending it and we are the church, it's life as it should be. I met with our team at 6 a.m. at Evergreen Church. Your team met at 7.30. And I saw both churches the same thing. Dedicated, wholehearted volunteers who throw heart and soul into making it possible to offer Jesus for the community. And we come together. Church isn't just for us. It's for people who are seeking him, who are far from him. And when I watch all of these gifts and talents and abilities at work, I think each one of them is preaching Jesus the best way they know how. Some of you may be involved in what it takes to be a homeless church. You know, you take things in and out of a truck and you're putting a speaker up and down. You think, I did that last week and I'm going to have to do it next week and the week after. And what? Di- oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's your sermon. Our works are a beautiful thing to Christ. Every one of them, whether it's teaching here or your particular work, whatever it may be. So when any life is changed, any heart is touched, you and all, I, I, we all have a part to play in that. So it isn't just one sermon that's preached, but dozens, hundreds of messages that are preached every Sunday. You and I are 
experiencing church life as it should be. The other key word there is pleasant. Now, this isn't just an aimless word. This is carefully chosen with tweezers by the writer to help us to understand. It's set like a, a jeweler in this psalm. The word pleasant is referring specifically to the oil. Now, this isn't just any old oil. It is the sacred oil that was only for the priest. Uh, they were told the recipe in the book of Exodus, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, grind it, all that stuff, and mix it together. And when you get done, Moses said, you shall not make this for yourselves. It shall be for you holy to the Lord. Only the priest could have it. Not even King David could have this oil on himself. And I'm sure there were lots of ladies in Israel at the time who thought, boy, I wish I could have some of that oil. It smells so good. But you can't have it. It's For us, a picture of the Holy Spirit, it's this precious, precious gift that we're given. It's life better than it should be. So the goodness is life as it should be, designed by God. The pleasantness is life better than it should be. And and that gets down to what church is. What does the word church mean? It means to be the called out ones. You and I are called out from a meaningless life handed down to us by our forefathers. We are called out from that into the kingdom of his wonderful light. And have you ever stopped to think that you and I don't deserve to be here? You can take that a little bit further and ask yourself this question. Why should God bother with me? Why should he bother with you? But he does. For God so loved the world that he gave. So... To be in the church is to recognize that I'm part of a life that is better than it should be. Have you ever stopped to consider how much better your life is because of the local church, the hope of the world? The track record of most churches is actually extremely good because that's the way it should be. And when we are together as the body, things go better. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Um, You and I have to make this choice to really love the fellowship of believers. Do you like Cold Stone? They have those cups when you go in. And there's the like it. And the got to have it. And then there's the love it. You know, whatever. The big one. Upsize. I mean, when you come to church, you just got to love the fellowship of believers. This requires a shifting of the mindset. This means that we really have to grasp what this word unity means. It's the together place. When I checked out the Hebrew on this word, it, the word unity here literally means the together place. Our world is filled with the separation of people and the agitation between people. And everything in society seems to be pitting people against one another. But you and I, through Christ, can choose the together place. In my church at Evergreen, I have, on a given Sunday, one of the leading uh, influencers in the Democratic Party, and I have one of the leading influencers in the Republican Party. They worship together and they like each other. Because we are the together place. Now, one of the goals that I have is that nobody at church knows who I vote for or what I think politically. We really try to keep it very neutral. Why? Because Christ has died for all. For all. 
So we choose the together and choose the unity. And the key word here is brothers and, of course, sisters as well. You and I have a choice. You can look at church as just church folks. I, I remember as a kid growing up in church and back in the 60s, 70s, I, I, I remember there used to be this kind of, I don't know, church felt like the polyester suits people wore back in those days. And it was a bit stiff and stodgy. And I, at least the churches that I grew up in, and it was like, I, I watched my parents and other significant adults, they would be normal and then they'd go to church and they would start relating to each other in churchy ways. Good morning, brother, sister. And everything was so stilted. And then they'd get in the car and be themselves or, whoa, I'm not sure we were ready for the arguments that can happen sometimes on the way to church on Sunday morning. Uh, but we are brothers and we're sisters. You and I can choose to build such quality relationships so that your relationships in church community are even stronger than your flesh and blood family. My wife and I together, I just came from a family reunion. We have over 110, 120 people in our immediate families. They're just brothers and sisters and kids. Uh, come from really big families. And they're great. But I really miss my church community. Uh, I can think of a number of churches that I've been part of over the years, but... Every one of them is precious. I love the, the church that I get to serve right now. I miss the people with whom I fellowship because they are dear brothers and dear sisters. Have you began to reflect and consider the people around you, not just church folk, but to actually think of them as family, kin folk? We are brothers dwelling. That's a choice to stay put. There's this aimlessness that's happening in church life. I, I meet people on this migration path and as if it's normal to shift from... No, there's something about dwelling, choosing to be together. Uh, there's a story I heard years ago and it's always helped me to remember how valuable it is to dwell together. It comes from the 19th century and there was this pastor in uh, a cold, rainy village and he was expected to visit his parishioners on a regular basis. There was a man who hadn't shown up to church for a while, so he knocked on the door of his cottage. It was nighttime. The fire was burning. He was invited inside to sit in front of the fire. The pastor took his hat and coat off. He sat down in the easy chair in front of the fireplace. And as the fire burned, he didn't say a word, just quietly sat there. He took a pair of tongs that were next to the fireplace. He reached into the flames and pulled out this red hot glowing ember and laid it on the hearth and put the tongs back and sat back in his chair. Of course, what happened next is this hot coal slowly went to charcoal black. They both watched it cool. And then the pastor reached down and picked it up with his hands and threw it back into the fire. Sat back and as they watched the fire burn, that charcoal began to blaze again. He picked up his hat and coat and began to make his way to the door. The parishioner who hadn't been at church for a while said, Pastor, thank you so much for your visit, especially for your fiery sermon. I'll be at church next Sunday. I know it's simple. It's kind of dumb, but it's true. You take yourself out of the fire and you go cold. We need each other. We can't Netflix our way through life. We need each other. 
We have to choose community. And that means that the choice to worship together is a choice to drop it. I'm not just talking about a fence. I'm talking about just moving in. I mean, put your suitcase down and take the stuff out and stick it into the drawers and make yourself at home. And I, I said a couple of months ago, it was Sunday, I just felt God urged me one Sunday during the announcement time and said, hey, good morning, welcome to Evergreen, great to have you here. And uh, some of you may be looking for a church home, maybe you've been looking at a number of churches, you might call yourself a church shopper. And I just said to them, welcome home and stop shopping and unpack your bags and make this your church family. I met a family at one of our volunteer events we helped with the Bothell City Parade and I said, how long have you been coming to Evergreen? I never met him before. And they said, well, we've been coming for months. And do you remember that Sunday? And I said, yeah. They said, well, we decided we'd stop shopping and just settle. It's time to settle. It's time for the church to solidify and to identify and to become this body of believers so that it's like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robe. Now, let's get one thing clear. This is not Aaron Gray that we are talking about. It's Aaron the priest, and he isn't a symbol here of the pastor of any church. It's a symbol of the whole church. Of course, he's a symbol of Jesus in the body of Christ. And you and I are like Aaron, corporately together. And there is something that sets us apart. And here, here's where we're going. The one mark of who, of our value because of our relationship and community is not how much money you make and who you know, what car you drive and what degree you have and all the stuff that you can put on Facebook and all the gloss you can stick into LinkedIn, it, none of that matters. Because you and I are known for one thing, is the aroma of Christ. And church is the fake-free zone. And this is where we can be known for the presence of Jesus that's upon our life. So let, let's look at the components here. First is it's upon the head. And you might think, yeah, that's a big deal. It's, it's on his head. It's going to be... No, no. The word in Hebrew literally means the shaking thing. The head goes yes, yes, or no, no. It makes decisions. The head is the question of who is in charge here. We walk into every human relationship and ask, who's in charge? Who's the leader here? The, the second thing is the beard. And for a Jew, the beard was for a man, his thing of dignity. And so it asks the question of, do I look good? Which is another question we ask every time time we walk into human relationship and the last bit this is kind of tricky listen close is the collar it's not talking about this it's talking about the hem of his robe and I know you sped read through the books of Moses and so I'm gonna have to take you back and give you a little detail because you missed the bit about the bells and pomegranates right some of you don't even know what I'm talking about uh Aaron high priest has a robe designed by God and at the bottom he has little bells ding 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 now, without the pomegranates, they're going to clank against each other. Clank, clank, clank. That kind of sound good. So God designed in the embroidery this little special feature where the seamstress created this thing that looked like a pomegranate made of linen. And it was separating the bells. So instead of going clank, 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 the bells go tinkle, tinkle, tinkle. And it just sounded lovely as the priest would walk around. People sensed the presence of God, the aroma, the sound. It emanated this. Well, 
this, it really asks the question of what do people think about me when I leave the room? What impression do I leave? Is it clank, clank, clank? Is it ring, ring, ring? What's the aroma? What's the sound? What's the fragrance? When you think about those three things, the head, the beard, the hem, these are the things that you and I ask in every human relationship, every board meeting, every neighborhood coffee group, whatever the circle of friends you and I might be involved in. Who's in charge? Do I look good? And what will people say about me after I leave? And when you and I really begin to understand God's call of unity in the psalm, we recognize this precious oil changes everything, that I don't have to be known by this. I can be known by the aroma of Christ. So I went online and I thought, what is the most expensive men's cologne out there? And I discovered this particular variety. Some of you might be quite keen to shop for Clive Christian. It, however, will set you back for $12,721.89 per ounce. It is the world's most expensive men's cologne. Now, I want you to think of this incredibly valuable cologne poured totally over the body of this priest. It's just drenching him. How valuable that would be. <laughs> well, that's just to keep you guys engaged. It drenches his head. It drenches his beard. And then it drenches right down to the collar of his robes. What does that mean? He means that when people think about us, it's not a matter of who's in charge or how do I look or what do people think about me after I leave the room. All they think about is Jesus. That you and I are a living reminder of Jesus because we're in a vital relationship with Jesus. And being together here on Sunday morning is a vital part of that. Your choice to engage, your choice to worship, your choice to talk to people post-service and to make this the friendliest place on earth, which it should be, to warm up this public building and make it an incredible relational time of fellowship. That's almost an old-fashioned antique word fellowship together as brothers and sisters together. It's a beautiful thing. And you and I are covered with this anointing that begins in worship. But the psalm is like, wait, there's more. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling upon Mount Zion. And I know you've been laying awake at night just longing to have this explained to you so you would understand. So here's, here's the explanation. Mount Hermon is the tallest mountain in Israel. 9,000 feet, snow-capped all year long, up on the border of Syria and Lebanon. I've stood, I've seen it, it's beautiful. Because it's so high, the warm currents from the Mediterranean are constantly saturating this cold mountain peak with dense rain. In fact, this is the one part of the psalm you and I can relate to because this is total Pacific Northwest. Uh, That whole northern part of Israel and up into Lebanon looks just like Washington, Oregon coast. It's just stunningly beautiful. He says that this dew of Mount Hermon is falling on Mount Zion. Mount Zion is Jerusalem. It's a desert city. It's dry. And so he's saying that this beauty of this mountain in the north is coming all the way down to the south of Jerusalem. So think of it this way. Mount Hermon is like Mount Rainier. Occasionally we see it. Most of the time we don't. Just drenched under its cloud. And when you think of Mount Zion, I, I want you to think of Phoenix. Dry, hot. And when you and I worship, things change. Some of you may or may know people who do on a regular basis uh, go to Arizona or places warmer. And you hop in your car and think, well, what's the fastest way to get from Seattle to Phoenix? Now, there are lots of different ways, but the fastest way is worship. 
Because the psalmist says that it's as if Mount Rainier comes to Phoenix and the two blend together, that this drenching dew from the far north comes upon the hot and dry south, that as you worship God, there's this pervasive presence. It doesn't matter anymore how much money you make or who you are or who you vote for. It doesn't matter your address or your academic background and all that other stuff. All that matters is Jesus because we are the church. The dew of Hermon is falling on Mount Zion. You and I, through worship, get to cool our environment and change our environment. Think of it. I was watching this documentary that was explaining in this Austrian forest how trees in times of drought make rain come, that trees call for rain. And I'm watching this and thinking, this is bizarre. Scientists have discovered that these trees emanate ions so that in times of drought, these ions, when released in mass in the atmosphere, actually cause condensation of the moisture in the air and create clouds so that when you and I see mist moving up a forest on a hillside, what you and I are seeing are the trees calling for rain, drawing rain. This is how trees create atmosphere and create rain. And when I watched that, my heart just swelled with blessing. I really get a lot out of documentaries. I just thought, this is what the church does. When you and I worship Christ, you and I are calling for his presence. We actually cool the community and cool the environment. My church is located with an Islamic mosque across the street, and then just up the road, the second largest center of Hindu worship in North America, where every morning priests pour milk over the feet of a stone god called Shiva who celebrates death. And our church is in the midst of that. I showed our church a um, drone video of our community, and I gave them a vision of this, and I say, worship, pray, seek God, because you and I are the light of the world that's put here on this hill, and we must shine. The reason why you are here at Linwood High School is because Jesus needs the radiance of the church in this place. So shine, to sing, to worship, to draw the presence, and there's a change in our community. We are not here for our benefit, our own benefit. We are here for the sake of those who have not yet come. 96% of our community is unreached. We live in the fastest growing city in America. And if God is at move, if population is at move, then God is at work. And the church is the center. And we are the hope of the world. Our worship makes an enormous difference. But there's even more. Because the psalm says, For there the Lord commands his blessing, even life forevermore. Have you ever thought of what is the greatest miracle God could do? Oh, wow. Let's see. A lame person walking. A deaf person hearing, a blind person seeing. No, those are not the greatest miracles. Dead being raised, no, no, no. Greatest miracle God can do is to save a human soul for all eternity. To see lost people come to know Jesus Christ. And there he presents life forevermore. If you and I will come into a place of unity, people will come to faith. You and I, through worship, are able to aim the blessing of God. So in our community of Bothell, back in 2010 during the financial recession, the city of Bothell was facing a budget crunch, and the city parade was costing the city 17000 in staff wages. And through some relationships, they approached our church and said, would you provide volunteers to marshal the parade so the city employees can be home with their families and would also save the city some money? And that began a long relationship has been going on for eight years with the city of Bothell that's opened many many other doors in our community 
Uh, for the first three years, we had to wear city vests. And then about year four, they said, hey, make your own T-shirts. And we send about 120 volunteers, and we meet 15,000 people every year. And we see our community and look them in the eye. And this last year, when we were gathered together, I remember how the early church was together, having everything in common. And I thought about how the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. I thought, how much God loves it when the church gathers together in unity. You and I change the climate of a community. You ever watch the weather map and they do that sweeping hand thing as they move cold fronts and hot fronts across the screen, you know, and and they they put that letter L up there. And you know what that word means? It means it's going to rain because a low pressure is just going to suck all the atmosphere from the northeast, south, and west. It's going to pull it in to focus. Basically, I've just described November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June. Um... (laughs) One big low over us. Our city needs the drenching rain of the Holy Spirit and will happen when the church comes together in unity. We've been experiencing evergreen, some wonderful evangelistic growth. And this month of July, every single Sunday, we've had people baptized. It started on the first Sunday of July and some folks got baptized and then more wanted to get baptized and more. And then another... Nine people today are getting baptized at Evergreen. And, and I thought, why does it happen? And I was chatting with some of our leaders, and I said, I think it's a simple choice to keep offering Christ as we've been doing, worshiping together the sense of unity, and there God commands a blessing. Some of the greatest seasons of the church are yet to be. And your church is so respected. You are one of the campuses of Mars Hill that became a prevailing and overcoming church. And you are here to radiate Christ for eternal purposes. And so, Father, I pray the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to rest upon Sound City Bible Church. I pray for Pastor Aaron and Shane and everybody else as a leader, elder, member of this church. That as you, they seek you, that you will meet them. And that this church will make a profound and eternal difference in this community and in this city. And that together we will see greater things yet to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Sound City, can we thank Pastor Phil for leading us this morning? What a great encouragement. Thank you, brother.